Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. At the very beginning of his book, Language, Truth, and Logic, in the first page of the first chapter, Ayer is going to say that part of his project here is to engage in a critique of metaphysics, that is, criticizing the metaphysical thesis that philosophy affords us a knowledge of a reality transcending the world of science and common sense. And that's a very nice succinct formulation of what's going on in the rest of the work, what the main project of this book is. It's to try to say that philosophy, whatever philosophy is going to be, must essentially be confined within the phenomenal world that the natural and social sciences can engage with or that our ordinary common sense can make sense of and approach. And Ayer says that his project is indeed indebted to David Hume as well as some other more recent empiricists and indeed some of the positivists as well. But he's going to contrast his project quite usefully with another major philosopher who engaged in a critique, indeed a set of critiques, of the possibility of metaphysics, a metaphysics that would transcend the realm of experience as we know it here in this tangible, perceivable, and scientifically tractable world, and that is Immanuel Kant. So Ayer begins by saying, we're going to critique this metaphysical thesis that philosophy affords us this knowledge. And he says, later on, when we come to define metaphysics and account for its existence, we shall find it is possible to be a metaphysician without believing in a transcendent reality. But it's convenient to take the case of those who do believe it's possible to have knowledge of a transcendent reality for our discussion. Now, what does he mean by a transcendent reality? Something that goes beyond, that transcedere, right? in Latin, something that goes beyond this realm of phenomenal experience. So if somebody says, well, I believe that there is a spirit running throughout the entirety of the universe, you say, oh, that, that's cool. Show me that spirit. You're like, well, you can't really see it as such. You have to you feel it, or we can reason our way to it, or things like that. That's exactly what air has in mind as a metaphysics that is transcending the realm of, of experience, a transcendent reality. So he says there's a couple ways of attacking this. One way is to inquire from what premises his propositions were deduced. So you say, okay, you're, you're making these claims, What's your basis for these claims? Can you set out your line of reasoning or evidence for me? And if you do, I'd better see some empirical propositions in there. Otherwise, I'm not going to be that effective in figuring out how you got from A to B. So he says... Must this person not begin, as other people do, with the evidence of their senses? If so, what valid process of reasoning can possibly lead to the conception of a transcendent reality? How can you get from empirical, that is experiential, propositions 
beyond that to something that goes far beyond the empirical reality. How can you get propositions about a transcendent reality? He says, surely from empirical premises, nothing whatsoever concerning the properties or even the existence of anything super empirical can legitimately be inferred. And there is one way out of this that he, he notes, and many people were doing this in Ayer's own time. As a matter of fact, there's still people doing it today. And there were people doing it in Kant's own time. And they would say something, well, actually in Hume's time as well, they would say, we're not basing it on our, our senses. We're endowed with a faculty of intellectual intuition. There's some way in which we're able to intuit, to grasp what transcends empirical reality. And so he goes on and he says, even if it could be shown that they were relying on empirical premises and the venture into a non-empirical world was therefore logically unjustified, it wouldn't actually follow the assertions he made concerning this non-empirical world could not be true. So you can't overthrow a system of transcendent metaphysics merely by criticizing the way it comes in to being. And here's where we get Ayer's declaration of his own project. What is required is rather a criticism of the nature of the actual statements which comprise it. So let, let's take a pause there for a second and think about this. He's saying that if you want to understand whether it's possible to go from empirical propositions, things about the world, things that we can agree on, like this is a chalkboard and there's white writing on it, or anything along those lines, to something that's non-empirical, that's transcendent, that's, as we would typically say, metaphysical. If you want to do that, you need to look at the language of those propositions and maybe look at the processes of inference as well. But it's the language itself that affords air what he thinks is the fundamental clue to how to resolve these sorts of difficulties. Here he's going to, as I was mentioning, contrast his point of view and his method here against that of the great thinker Immanuel Kant, who is doing something kind of similar, who's making somewhat similar claims about the possibility of metaphysics. So he says, Kant condemned transcendent metaphysics, but he did on different grounds. And so Ayer, a little bit later, will say that Kant is rejecting the possibility of transcendent metaphysics, but he's doing so as a matter of fact. He's saying, listen, you just can't get there from here. We've got all sorts of problems when we try to do that sort of thing. Not that there isn't a transcendent metaphysic in some sense, you just can't do it as a human being. Ayer is saying that, no, this is actually an impossibility as a matter of logic, a matter of the way in which language has to work. So how does this work? So let's take a look at the Kant. He says, Kant said the human understanding was so constituted that it lost itself in contradictions when it ventured out beyond the limits of possible experience and attempted to deal with things in themselves. So the things in themselves, they're beyond the phenomenal realm, the experiential realm. They do exist, or at least we have to postulate that they exist, Kant says, but we can't get at them through philosophy, let alone science or any, any other sort of thing. And when we do that, because of the way our minds are constituted, we wind up in all sorts of contradictions or sometimes he says antinomies. And so, you know, if you want to see where this this happens, take a look at the prolegomena to any future metaphysics and also take a look at the first critique. But you'll also see some discussion of this in the last part of the groundwork for the metaphysics of morals and in the second critique as well. 
but this is primarily coming from the first critique. So the human understanding, the way that it works, you just can't get a transcendent metaphysics that doesn't have all sorts of contradictions. Not that you couldn't have a transcendent metaphysics per se, just we can't because we go beyond the limits of our experience. And that's where we can make sense of things. But there's still this thing in itself out there. And this led to, you know, the vast development of German idealism and the issue of limits. So he says that, you know, Wittgenstein says in order to draw a limit to thinking, we should have to think both sides of this limit, a truth to which Bradley gives a special twist in maintaining that the man who is ready to prove that metaphysics is impossible is a brother metaphysician. Ayer went back a little bit further. Bradley was a British idealist, which meant he was drawing upon Hegel. Hegel explicitly discusses this in his Science of Logic, the problem of the limit. In thinking the limit, you're already thinking beyond the limit. So the Kantian project kind of falls apart. It doesn't work the way that they want it to work. Ayer says, I'm going to go more radical. I'm going to look at the language itself. So by focusing, he says, on the literal significance of language, of metaphysical statements, for example, I can show that you can't go beyond possible sense experience. He says, the fruitlessness of attempting to transcend the limits of possible sense experience will be deduced not from a psychological hypothesis concerning the constitution of the human mind, a la Kant or post-conscience, right? But from the rule which determines the literal significance of language. What is that rule? That is going to be what he calls the criterion of verifiability which is the central part of this work. So he says, our charge against the metaphysician is not that they attempt to employ the understanding in a field where it cannot go, but that they produce sentences which fail to conform to the conditions under which alone a sentence can be literally significant. And he says, we aren't obliged to talk nonsense in order to show that all sentences of a certain type are necessarily devoid of literal significance. We only have to formulate this criterion and then we can show that all of these metaphysical statements are, strictly speaking, nonsensical, at least on a literal level. And that's the thing that he's interested in here. So this is really, in some respect, what we call a transcendental critique, showing the conditions of the possibility of, and showing also, by contrast, that something else is impossible by showing, you know, these conditions. What would it take for language to actually make sense or convey meaning verifiability, according to, to Ayer. So he's, he's shifting the ground from, you could say, an intellectual or psychological basis that he says Kant has got to a linguistic basis. And this is really a central feature of Ayer's linguistically based philosophy. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.